Imran Khan is the kind of politician who inspires strong feelings. Whether they're of love or hate depends on who you ask. He's had a pretty storied career in politics, sports, and otherwise. A cricketing superstar, an Oxford graduate, once Pakistan's heartthrob. We're, of course, talking about Prime Minister Imran Khan. Pakistan's politics have been topped by political dynasties for decades. Imran Khan has always positioned himself as the outsider. But his tenure as Prime Minister of Pakistan came to a dramatic end earlier this month. Despite dissolving the parliament and alleging a foreign plot, Imran Khan was ousted in a no-confidence vote. A vote of no confidence against Mr. Imran Khan, the Prime Minister of Islamic Republic of Pakistan, has been passed by a majority... But will the vote be enough to end the career of Pakistan's celebrity Prime Minister? It is a very polarizing moment for Pakistan, and that is why there is anger, there is fear, there is hope, and there's trepidation on the streets in Pakistan. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Today, I'm talking to someone who's followed Imran Khan's career for decades now. My name is Osama bin Javed. I am a correspondent for Al Jazeera English. I've been monitoring Pakistani politics since the 1990s, and I've covered a couple of elections for Al Jazeera English as a correspondent. I heard that you recently came across an old photo that you have with Imran Khan. Can you tell me about it? Well, actually, I didn't come across it. It was my siblings who came across it and were teasing me with it because (laughs) it's a photo of me sharing a stage with Imran Khan in 1992. So, yeah, my interactions with Imran Khan go way, way back. This was just after Pakistan won its first Cricket World Cup. And Imran Khan was the team's captain. It was one of the most amazing moments of cricketing history in Pakistan. And he was a national hero. Do you remember how old you were? I was in school. And this was such a great evening that we all, I think, came early out of school and waited for hours and hours to get a glimpse of him. And I think there was a journalistic streak in me because I knew somebody who knew somebody who smuggled me onto the (laughs) stage. And I stood right behind him and got a photo taken. So that was in 1992. Over the next few years, Khan continued to top the headlines. Imran Khan, the Western press, has dubbed the most glamorous man in sport. Cricket's first genuine sex symbol. He married a socialite, the daughter of a British billionaire, his first of three marriages. He also started to get involved in philanthropy, building a hospital named for his mother, who died of cancer. In the 1990s, rumors swirled about his political potential, rumors he denied. No matter what I say, somehow everyone assumes I'm uh, trying to become a prime minister, and I don't know why everyone is so keen to be the prime minister. Imran Khan toyed with the idea of what did he want to do after getting all of that fame, being center of attention on the world stage as well as in Pakistan. And that's why he founded this political party and called it Tariq Saf means movement for justice. And the idea was to try and make and bring justice to the common man of Pakistan. The people who are joining me are people who are looking for an alternative 
And above all, the youth in this country, of course, uh, look to me because they are more idealistic. The older generation is a bit more realistic, so they, you know, they are weighing up that perhaps it's too young, this party. He struggled for the first few years to get people on board. Pakistani politics is based on dynasties, and that's why people were finding it hard to resonate with this newcomer. That was until 2018, when he found himself surrounded with so-called electables. Electables are local politicians from across Pakistan with powerful connections in their communities. They're pretty much guaranteed to win their local elections, regardless of which party they stand for. And they do switch parties, based on which way the political winds are blowing. You might call them kingmakers. Some detractors call them turncoats. So when Imran Khan courted them in 2018, it was a choice at odds with his own narrative as an outsider. But these so-called electables are uh, what makes or breaks a political party in Pakistan. And some of these people then came to Imran Khan or Imran Khan went to them and they became part of the Pakistan Tehreek Saf and it got the highest number of seats. So how did that election go? I know there were some allegations of vote rigging, but it was also declared free and fair on the other hand. So what's your recollection of it? I remember this being one of the most well-organized elections where there were no scuffles and people were going in and queuing and elections went ahead. When I spoke to a few human rights activists and election monitors, they said there were two elections in Pakistan, one from 8 a.m. till 6 p.m. when the polls closed, and then from 6 p.m. until midnight when there was manipulation, allegedly, where the doors were closed and election system, the electronic system, it had bugs in it and it went offline. Just before the election, Osama interviewed I.A. Rahman, a famous civil rights activist, and he said, Parties are defeated in elections. They can be totally wiped out. That's different. But for parties to be wiped out before the election is something that has happened this time. And that is something that the opposition politicians at that time picked on that and called Imran Khan a selected prime minister, not an elected prime minister. Selected by who? The selectors are considered to be the deep military establishment. Imran Khan is considered, was considered to be favored by the military. Pakistan has a long history of military coups, but what politicians say now is happening is a hybrid regime where the military runs as the puppet master behind the scenes and the politicians are put forth so they can take the blame for all of their failings, whereas the military gets to run the show without actually maligning their name. So after his party got the most votes, Imran Khan's opponents protested. Many of them came from the political dynasties that Khan had positioned himself against in the election. But he was able to form a coalition in the parliament and became prime minister. So Imran Khan comes into office and he seemed to use his status as a political outsider to make promises. All throughout his campaign, he talked about Naya Pakistan, or a new Pakistan. What did his vision of this new Pakistan look like? Imran Khan came to the political arena as a powerful force which challenged the dynastic politics in Pakistan. 
So his vision for Naya Pakistan was that he is going to change the way Pakistan is run. The foremost thing was that all of the politicians who have been in power or are in power are thieves and the country needs to get rid of them. So he promised that there is going to be a massive anti-corruption drive and he's going to bring billions and billions of Pakistan's stolen wealth back to the country. That was a very popular and very strong message. And then he said he is going to build millions of homes. He's going to give out millions of jobs. He's going to change the way the economy is run. He's going to, and in his own words, actually commit suicide rather than go for international help and get loans. Turns out that wasn't true. Khan inherited an economy on a downturn when he took office in 2018. Osama says he got some well-earned praise for how he dealt with the pandemic, but inflation soared to double digits. He was accused of mismanaging the economy, and he did eventually go to the IMF for a loan. It was... Probably too ambitious, and I I would go as far as saying naive of Imran Khan to think that he's going to come into place, snap his fingers, and everything is going to fall in place. Whereas the deep-rooted corruption and practices in Pakistan have been there for decades and decades. It would have been a real struggle for five years to change everything towards what he wanted. What was the relationship like between Imran Khan and the military after he entered office? Well, I'll quote the um, the former minister for privatization who said that Imran Khan was the apple of the eye of the military, the media, and everyone in Pakistan. Oh, wow. High praise. <laughs> and that is what his relation was with the military, that he was seen as somebody who's challenging the status quo. He's somebody uh, who everybody had put their bets on. A few things changed. For one, his cabinet wasn't exactly the new Pakistan he'd vowed to usher in. Imran Khan surrounded himself with pretty much the same faces of the old guard who were not part of the political discourse that Imran Khan had promised. And in addition to the optics, Osama says this old guard didn't help Imran Khan get things done. And then on top of that, Khan took on the military that seemed to play such a role in his political rise. He fought a very public battle with the army chief over who would fill an important post, the head of the Pakistani intelligence services. And the army chief eventually won. And that probably was the beginning of his relations getting worse and worse. And the military in the last few weeks has played what it calls a neutral role. So it no longer uh, supports Imran Khan. What does neutrality mean in this case? Ah, that's a that's a difficult one to crack. Mm-hmm. Neutrality from the military means that it does not want to be seen or actually take part in any sort of political maneuvering in Pakistan. Which provided Imran Khan's opposition with an opportunity. So all the politicians who were saying Imran Khan was selected by the military establishment said, well, they're now neutral. And then they were able to go after all of the people that Imran Khan had poached from their political parties, do the actual reverse and push them off of Imran Khan. And that's why he lost the vote of no confidence. Which brings us to the last couple of weeks. So take me back. Were you expecting this? Not at all. I came to Pakistan for three or four days. There was going to be protests. The government was going to try and push back a vote of no confidence. But it's been a roller coaster of the last uh, couple of weeks. It started with a simple call for a vote. But it became something unprecedented. 
a mundane vote of no confidence becomes a, co- a constitutional crisis where the deputy speaker who's aligned with Imran Khan he throws out this vote of no confidence and says there's a political conspiracy backed by the United States foreign powers against Imran Khan this is something Imran Khan had suggested himself for a while as his fortunes were falling here he is at the end of march calling on pakistanis to resist a foreign funded plot The Pakistani nation needs to decide if they will let the conspiring slaves who have taken billions of rupees from abroad be successful. In the face of this alleged plot, Imran Khan had parliament dissolved, but the opposition took him to the Supreme Court over it. And in the subsequent few days, the court decided that this was actually unconstitutional and illegal. So the court ordered the parliament be restored and they held their vote. It went to the last moment. There were helicopters flying in Islamabad. The uh, highest level of security was in place. Nobody was sure what was going on in, in Pakistan. Mm. And then, just before the stroke of midnight, the Speaker of Parliament came. He said, you know, he does not want to be part of this vote of no confidence. He resigned. And then the Speaker gets sworn in. And I think 58 minutes Past the 11 p.m. is when he actually asked for the vote. Then the assembly gets adjourned for two minutes. There's a new day. They get to come in. And then there's a vote of no confidence. Mm -hmm. And then Imran Khan loses power. Oh, my gosh. But it doesn't end there. After Imran Khan was ousted, more than 100 of his party members resigned. They said they're going to take their case to the public. They want an early elections. And they call this an imported government, which came into place because of a foreign conspiracy against Imran Khan. So that was the last few weeks. How is that for a political thriller? (laughs) Osama, something we've heard quite a bit is that no prime minister in Pakistan has ever made it through a five-year term. Still, though, based on what you're describing, this is a first. It's the first time the constitutional process has been followed. So can you walk me through the significance of that? This is a real moment of maturity for Pakistan's democracy and judiciary. You have to remember that since uh, the last uh, four decades, wherever there were coups or unconstitutional steps, they were endorsed by Pakistan's judiciary. This time, politicians went to the judiciary, said, look, it is not in your purview to discuss what happens in parliament, but you are the custodians of the constitution of Pakistan. And here's somebody who's breaking the constitution and we just want you to rule on this. And they actually did just that. So this firewall that exists between the various institutions of power in Pakistan, the judiciary, the parliament, the presidency, it's still intact and in place. And also in place is a new prime minister. Mia Muhammad Shahbaz Sharif Saab is declared to have been elected as the prime minister of the Islamic Republic of Pakistan. But his name is well known. Shahbaz Sharif is the brother of three-time former prime minister Nawaz Sharif, who's actually been given a lifetime ban from politics after a series of scandals. The Sharif family have been political opponents of Imran Khan's for a while now. And to oust him, Shabazz joined forces with another longtime rival, a political royal named Bilawal Bhutto Zardari. His father is a former president and his mother is a former prime minister. Taken together, 
This coalition is an example of the dynasties Imran Khan has spent his career railing against. It is a narrative that Imran Khan has been able to build against not just Nawaz Sharif, but also the Bhuttos, the Zardaris, the dynastic politics in Pakistan, saying that he is the only solution and his message is the one that should be heard. And because he was not able to deliver, the politics of dynasty has come back and said, look, you gave this guy a chance for three and a half years. He was not able to do anything. It's time for us to come back and take this country forward. Here's Bilawal Bhutto Zardari shortly after the no-confidence vote. Welcome back to Purana Pakistan. Purana meaning old, nostalgic, not the new Pakistan Imran Khan had spoken about. I asked Rizama if he thought this was what people wanted. What Imran Khan described as old Pakistan and what many Pakistanis see as old Pakistan is mired in corruption, dirty politics, accusations and and bribery and everything else, which has a very negative connotation. I don't think Bilawal Bhutto Zardari was referring to that. He was actually going against Imran Khan. I think here at, at the juncture we are now, I don't think Pakistan has been this polarized politically as it stands now. There's a huge following for Imran Khan, especially amongst the youth. You've got to realize that 66% of Pakistan is under 30. They are kind of involved in politics for the first time. They see this incoming force and his very populist message of everyone aligning against him to take him out is resonating with a lot of people. So this this notion of the old Pakistan, taking it back to where it was before Imran Khan, I think what Bilawal Bhutto Zardari was referring to was the politics of understanding and, and compromises. And that's what other politicians see it as old Pakistan, whereas the majority of Pakistan sees old Pakistan with all of the negative connotations that I just described. There's one thing that Shabazz Sharif said on the floor of parliament that really stuck with me after Khan's ousting. He said, Imran Khan's loss was a sign that good has prevailed over evil. Where is this coming from? What does the opposition see as the evil that Imran Khan has enacted on Pakistan? Ah, You have to go back to what Imran Khan was to what he's become now. He was seen as this flamboyant cricketer, has a lifestyle which is not really deeply politically or religiously Pakistani. And then he reinvents himself. His playboy days are over. He is committed now to changing his country fundamentally. He becomes pious and he dons the national garb and he says all the right things for a national audience. And then he comes into power and his political force is very active and aggressive, which was very disrespectful at, at a lot of times. And he called this the voice of the street and he brought it to the floor of the assembly. And that is what many people allude to when they say that Imran Khan was equivalent to something evil. But his supporters don't see him that way. And while Imran Khan might be out of office, they've been out in the streets protesting. Pakistan Tehreek Insaf workers took to the streets across the country in a massive show of strength. People who supported and still support Imran Khan are very frustrated and angry. 
they still feel that Imran Khan was not given a fair chance uh, by the judiciary, by the military and by this constellation of what they see as corrupt politicians. It sounds like whether or not you agree with the narrative that Imran Khan has crafted, he has galvanized a movement of people, especially young people who have taken to the streets, who are not content with the opportunities available to them. Where do you think they go from here? It's going to depend on what happens in Pakistan in the next few weeks and months. It looks like Shabazz Sharif has got his work cut out for him because Pakistan's economy is in pretty poor shape. This is where Imran Khan is going to come in. And he's going to try and say that, look, we were bad, but we were not as bad. Look at these guys. And they are going to turn around and say, look, there is nothing we can do because Imran Khan's left the country in such tatters. So it's going to be a battle of political narratives in a very polarized Pakistan that you're going to see play out in the next few weeks and months. It is still not clear that if Imran Khan is going to come on top, if he's going to galvanize all of that support base to actually turn into votes. Remember, Pakistan still has dynastic politics. These are still electables that Imran Khan has lost, which cost him his seat in power. And whether he gets all those votes back, I think is going to be the million dollar question. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Nagin Oliai, with Alexandra Locke, Ruby Zaman, Ney Alvarez, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Aya Al-Milek and Adam Abugad are our engagement producers. We'll be back 